Thanks for being here this morning. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. Bills fans, I see you at our early service. Come on. I appreciate that. For, we are in Bill's country. I understand that. I, I surrender to that. And for those of you watching online, um, there's still a chance for you to come to one of our other services, right? This is God provides, right? He gave us a DVR. You just pause that sucker. You get to be with the church. And you still get to watch the Bill's game. Amen? Amen. Well, it's great to have you guys here this morning. And I need you to do me a favor. Um, I need you to help me to welcome our Brighton campus. Come on, church. Let's welcome our Brighton campus. Woo! Today is the first day of our Brighton campus soft launches. They are in the gym at our Rochester campus, and it's the beginning of a new journey for our church where we get to saturate Rochester in the Brighton area. November 5th is that grand opening, and just be praying that God continues to move in people's hearts, and so thank you for being a part of that journey. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you would say you're a movie person? Come on, put your hands in the air. You love movies. Okay, there's a lot of you. In my house, we're a little bit divided. My wife is Ashley. She's not super big on movies. She doesn't love to like sit still for very long. On me, on the other hand, like I love to watch movies. You know, winter is coming and there's nothing better uh, on a winter day where it's snowing out, you're cold, you get a blanket, some popcorn, some kettle corn, you get with the kids around and you watch a movie. It's awesome. And one of my favorite genres of movies is superhero movies. I love everything from Spider-Man to Wonder Woman to the Avengers to Iron Man, Aquaman, Batman, Superman. And some of you are old school enough like me to grow up watching He-Man. Any He-Man people out there? Okay, yeah, He-Man was, he was it, right? He started the whole thing. And right, what I love about superhero movies is like this epic clash between good and evil. And right when evil thinks they've won, the superhero saves the day. Now, could you imagine a superhero movie where good has all the momentum? They are triumphing over evil. And all of a sudden, the superhero decides to leave. Not only does he leave, but he puts the mantle of the mission and the responsibility of saving the world on ordinary people's shoulders. What kind of superhero movie would that be? That's exactly what Jesus did in the book of Acts. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Acts chapter one is where we're gonna start in this journey this morning in this series called The Acts of the church. And for the next eight weeks, we're going to take a, a good look at the early church, the history of what we're gathering together as the church today. We're going to look at its mission and, and why the church, the early church, was so successful, what role they played in society. And we're going to do it all through the book of Acts. And as you kind of settle your, your way into the book of Acts, chapter one, let me just give you a little background on this book. It's written by a man named Luke. And if you, if you know anything about your Bible, right, you hear that word before because there's a gospel of Luke in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke actually wrote that book as well. He wrote a record of Jesus's life. Now, what's interesting about Luke is Luke is not a Jewish person. He's actually a doctor, a physician. 
And like today's age, right, when you go to the doctor, you want your doctor to be able to keep good records of your health. But for doctors today, we have these things called computers that help in the journey. Luke, back in the day, he had no computer. He was gifted at taking very good notes. And God actually used that gift for him to write a couple books in the New Testament, Acts being one of them. And so let's start in Luke's words, verse one. It says, in my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So really early on, Luke refers to his gospel of Luke where he recorded the, 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 the events of Jesus's life and he, he seems to be saying it to this person named Theopolis. Now that's not a name that is really familiar to us, even in the Bible. Even if you grew up going to church, there's really not a lot of Sunday school lessons on Theopolis. Who the heck is this guy? Well, the great news is no one really knows. Scholars have tried to figure out, and they've kind of narrowed it down to two places. Theopolis, many scholars believe, is a high-ranking government official. But the actual word Theopolis just means God-lover. So many scholars believe that, that Luke is just writing to every person who loves God. The reality is nobody really knows. He continues, he says, until the day he was taken up to heaven and given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So Acts picks up right where the gospels leave off. Jesus' death, right? He died on a cross for our sins. And when Jesus died, his disciples scattered. They were terrified. Why? Because their rabbi, their leader, was gone. He never expected it, even though Jesus predicted it. But then three, on the third day, Jesus rises again. And he comes back. And after Jesus' resurrection, he spends 40 days with his disciples teaching them about the kingdom of God, preparing them for something they never expected, getting them equipped for something that would confuse them. Jesus says on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so as he's teaching them towards the end of the 40 days, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, you got to stay in Jerusalem because a gift is coming to you that I've spoken about, the gift of the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest gifts God has ever given his church is the Holy Spirit. And, and we're not going to spend a lot of time today talking about it, but for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit's role in our life as the church and how he came about. So Jesus gives them a gift, and then his disciples are so anxious, they're so excited that Jesus is alive, that he's teaching them, they ask him this question. It says they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? You can see how excited they were. Their superhero was back. He, he just raised himself from the dead. Think about this. He died. He came back to life. And, and all of his followers are so invigorated. They are so excited. Like this is the moment to take over Rome, Jesus. This is the moment to show everybody that you're alive. And so they come to Jesus and they're like, are you gonna bring heaven to earth? Like, are you gonna restore your kingdom right now? And honestly, we, we kind of follow their example thousands of years later, don't we? 
Because when COVID happened, what, what did so many of us say, wonder, right? Are we in Revelation? Like, are we living in the tribulation? Is Jesus coming back? Is he gonna restore the world to his kingdom? And these are all really good questions. These are all things that we should be thinking about at some level because it's what the Bible teaches us. But how often, how often do we get so focused on God restoring his kingdom, we forget he wants to use us to build his kingdom right now? How often do we get so caught up in the future of what's gonna take place, things that God told us we won't know, but we're so busy trying to figure out the, the things that God said we wouldn't know at the, at, the, at the expense of what God wants to do through us right now? How often do we get caught up in things that we'll never know at the expense of things that we could be doing right now? And look what Jesus says to him. They're like, Jesus, are you gonna bring your kingdom? And this is what he says. He says to him, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. Think about how much time has been wasted on what God says you'll never know. How much time we could have been used. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus looks at his followers before the church ever started. He said, hey, that's for God to know. He set the time. You won't know. You won't know about it. But in the meantime, you have a mission on your shoulders. You have a calling God has placed before the church ever started. God looks at his, his church. Jesus looks at the church and he says, you will be my witnesses. You see, the church is God's witnesses. And it's so easy to confuse this, especially if you're new to faith. When we think about the church, we often say, hey, I'm going to church. You don't go to church. You gather with the church. Because the church, even though, yes, we have buildings, we have beautiful buildings, God has blessed us with buildings to meet in, they don't make the church. What makes the church is the children of God. It's the gathering of God's sons and daughters under his name to bring him glory. And the calling of the church is to share the story of Christ. We are supposed to be his witnesses. And so we're supposed to carry that story wherever we go. In fact, if you look at some of Jesus' final words, like some of his last words to his disciples, what does he say? It's known as the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Can I just translate that for you? Be my witnesses. Carry my story. And so if the church is God's witnesses and we're supposed to testify of things, what is that? What are we witnesses of? And I want to talk about three things that we are witnesses of as God's church. The first thing that we are witnesses of is our need for a savior. You see, I would assume that every single one of us, maybe most of us are here because at one point in our life, we recognized that we needed to be rescued. We recognized that we needed saved. Right, what do we need saved from? From our sin. You see, the Bible makes it clear, it teaches it over and over again that every single one of us is sinners. Right, we've fallen short and our sin separates us from God. 
The wages of sin is death, not just physical death, but eternal death. Eternal death separated from God. And the reality is you can try as hard as you want. You can be as good as you want. You won't be able to solve that problem. It's too big for you. And so you need to be rescued because you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I I actually think that's what makes the church so attractive. Because when we gather together as the church, we're a hodgepodge of messed up, jacked up, sinful people. We don't have it all together. And that's so welcoming to a community who thinks we have it all together when we don't act like we do. Right? It's imperfect people, right? That's what the church is. The church is not perfect people. It's imperfect people being transformed by a perfect Savior. Amen, church? Is that you? Is that me? Yes. That's God working in us. And what will draw people to Jesus in his church is us not pretending like we are perfect. By inviting people in, hey, good news, we're jacked up too. You know, I, one of the things I hear at least once a year from somebody is, listen, I, I, can't, I, I can't go to church. Church is full of hypocrites. Church is full of, of people who, who believe one thing but sometimes live a different way. And it's like, yeah, that's us. Yeah, that's who we are. You're welcome to come. You know, it's fascinating to me. I've never heard anybody say, I can't go to that gym. It's full of overweight people. <laughs> I can't go to that gym because it's a full of people who are out of shape. You wonder why you go to the gym? It's so you get in shape. You want to show up to, with the church? It's because we want Jesus to transform our lives. That's why we go. And our witness is the fact that we all need a savior. Second, we are witnesses of Christ's death and resurrection. That yes, we needed saved and our savior came. He came and he left heaven to earth to die in our place, to pay our penalty when he didn't deserve it. And then on the third day, he gave us the victory. You see, through Christ, he he died in our place. He paid for our sin. He reversed the curse over our lives. And through his resurrection, he sets us free and allows us to walk into new life. Every single one of us, we were once slaves to sin. But through Jesus Christ, we've been set free. We were all in shackles because of our our sin. We were bound to it. We tried to break free, but nothing would work. And yet through Jesus, he relinquishes the chains, the bondage we're in. And and not only does he just let us go free. Look what Galatians says. It says, "But, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Listen to these words, church. You are no longer a slave, right? It's one thing to be set free. That's, that's, a, that's a gift enough. But no, you're no longer a slave, but you're God's child. God has made you an heir to all that he has. You are called son or daughter of the God of the universe. We are witnesses of that. His death and resurrection, our need for a savior. And finally, we are witnesses of the power of Christ in our lives. You see, I believe one of the greatest witnesses you have is how Christ has changed you. 
witness to people, hey, look who I was and look who I am now. One of the greatest witnesses we have when the world is falling apart, somehow we have peace. When, the, when, when we shouldn't have, have joy, when our world is crashing down, when bad things happen, somehow we still can sing his praises. We can still have joy in the worst of circumstances. We can look at our life and say, you know what? I, I used to be that. But look at who I am now because of Jesus. Paul says that like this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old you, the old way of living is gone. And the new is here. What a powerful testimony we have to just look at our lives and say, look what Christ has done. Look at the evidence in me of the power of Jesus' cross and resurrection. And so Jesus looks at his disciples for 40 days. He invests in them, pours into them, and then he does something strange. Something no one saw coming. It says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. Can you imagine this? I mean, just got to put this into perspective for you. This is like the championship game. And your best player stands up and gives a motivational speech. We're going to win this thing. We're going to go after it. We're going to get everything we got. And then we go to warm up and he leaves. Doesn't even play in the game. Right? For a second, when you read those words, don't take him in from 2023. Take him in as an early disciple of Jesus Christ. He just conquered the grave. We have all the momentum in the world. It's ready for Jesus to bring his kingdom now to overtake Rome. And he leaves. He's gone. Can you imagine how they must have felt? Like, Jesus, why would you abandon us like this? No, Jesus, we need you, Jesus. We can't do this without you, Jesus. But what's interesting is, remember what he said to them earlier. When he was teaching them, he, he gave them a command. He says, don't leave Jerusalem. Right? Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Because I have a gift for you. In my absence, I'm going to give you something greater. The Holy Spirit. And some of us might ask, why would Jesus leave? Why would Jesus abandon his disciples? Why would the superhero leave the mission to ordinary sinful people? We see Jesus didn't leave his disciples alone. He gave them something better. Because you might say, how can you get better than Jesus? Well, Jesus in his humanity could only be at one spot at a time. Imagine that, right? We, we, we show up to, to gather as the church and, right, and Jesus is, can only come to the Rochester campus. And so Webster and Brighton, sorry, guys, you don't get Jesus today. We got him. Well, we show up and we're ready to worship. We're ready to be in the presence of God. And where's Jesus? He's at a different church in town. But Jesus made a way that his presence could be with us always. 
You don't have to walk into a church building to experience the presence of God. Because if you know Jesus, it lives in you. It goes with you everywhere you go. And guess what? It's just not for, for me, the pastors. It's for all of us. Wherever we go, we carry the spirit of God. Think about how great of a gift Jesus gave. And in order to give it, he had to leave. He had to go away. And that was about to be the beginning of what we do each and every Sunday. We gather as the church, as a family. And so as we begin this journey of, of studying the early church, I have a couple questions I'd just love to ask you. Questions that I hope move your heart and your head to think about. Right, Jesus, Jesus says that we are his witnesses. The church is God's witnesses. So let me ask you, what kind of witness are you? I mean, honestly, have a, have a real conversation with your heart and your head and your actions. What kind of witness are you for Jesus? When's the last time you shared his story with somebody else? What kind of witness are you in your family, at your office, at your workplace, at your college, in your dorm? Or maybe a better question around this central question is, do you view the purpose of your life to share the story of Christ? That's why you're here. You're not here to, to get rich and feel comfortable here on earth. You're not here to be the greatest mom or dad. Like, that's not the purpose of your life. God has you here to tell people about Jesus and what he's done for you and what he's done for them. And not only to use your words and declare it, but can I ask you, do people see the evidence of Jesus in your life? By the way you act and the words that you say, do they see the evidence that you are transformed, imperfect person being transformed by a perfect God? Let today be a reminder that we are his witnesses. What kind of witness are you? The second question I have is, do you have the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift God gave to his church. And the way we receive the Holy Spirit is through placing our faith and trust in Jesus. That when we declare with our mouth that he is Lord and that he did raise from the dead for us in an instant, when we do that, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, in an instant, God gives us that gift of the Holy Spirit that we get to walk with God's presence daily, every single moment of our life. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're missing out on the Holy Spirit. Maybe today's the day. Maybe this is the moment where you surrender to him. I get it, you got questions, you got doubts. But knowing Jesus is not a complex thing. It's not a magical thing you do. It's a cry of your heart. It's you simply saying, God, I, I need forgiven because I am a sinner. And I believe today, I'm, I'm confessing with my mouth that you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that you died and rose again for me. 
So forgive me and lead me. Today, my life is yours. And if you have questions about that, we would love to talk to you. Our campus pastors would love to talk to you. The person who invited you would love to talk to you. We have Connect Out. We have hosts in in the lobbies, Connect Out in our lobbies. We would love to chat with you if you have questions. But Jesus looked at his disciples. He said, you will be my witnesses. What kind of witnesses are we? Let's pray together, Father. May today be a reminder to us of how important of a mission we have. It's so easy, God, in life to get distracted, to forget why you have us here. And I pray today for me and our church that this would be a reminder that we carry the greatest news in history. May we boldly live it out. May we boldly share it with people who have never experienced it. Remind us of that today, in Jesus' name, amen.